Well, good morning. It's pretty compelling reality what uh, Tony and Lisa just talked about. The reality that there are folks in our community, not connected to our church, and frankly, not connected to any church, but are looking for counseling and willing to receive it from the Word of God, but we don't have enough counselors, and we have a lot of counselors, folks who have been certified, we don't have enough to meet the demand of this community. It was really a defining moment for us a number of years as elders. We said, if we're going to be a blessing, a church that makes a difference in this community, we should meet the needs of the community. We ask, what is the need of this community? And at least at that time, it wasn't food, it wasn't for clothing, it was for relational healing. And so the genesis of the counseling and the Hope Center was started, and we just didn't know the extent of it, that there would be more than we could possibly handle. And so I hope that you listen to that really carefully and thought, man, that would be intimidating. That'd feel a little bit like walking on water, but we've learned about that. So would you be willing to trust Jesus to say, I feel like I'd be in over my head. It'd be a little scary, but I would get the training and then go through the process of certification so that you could be part of a team that really would impact this community with counseling from the scriptures. If you have questions, you're not really sure about it, Tony and Lisa, who you just met on the video, they're going to be out in the courtyard this morning. Be glad to answer any questions that you might have. Or if you took the training but never took the next step for certification. That might be something that you'd say, okay, I'm ready to do that. And you would go tell them, hey, what I need to do to take that next step. At the core of our counseling is the Word of God. And that might seem obvious, but that's not true for lots of counseling. At the core of our counseling is the Word of God because at the core of this church is our commitment to the authority of this book, the Word of God. And we visualize it here by simply placing our Bible over our head. When we place the Bible over our head, what are we actually saying? Yeah, we're saying right here that this has authority. In other words, not right here. If I place the Bible here, that means I'm interested in what God has to say, but then I may go, uh, yeah, but... Or I may think, well, let me take that into consideration. I know, the, I know the scripture says this, but. But when I have it up here, there are no buts. It's the word of God says this, and I'm going to live accordingly. And our prayer is that increasingly, this would be the lifestyle, the way that we would engage in our relationships, whether they're marriage relationships, our parenting relationships with our neighbors, with our co-workers, that we would say, whatever the Lord has to say, that has authority. It's not here for consideration. It's here for obedience. And you may go, well, that's so obvious. No, it's not. Because what we're going to look at in the scriptures this morning is an encounter where Jesus approaches folks who have the scripture here, not here, but here in a way that doesn't give it the authority it's intended. The passage we're going to look at, if you have a copy of the scriptures with you, is Mark chapter 7. And we're going to look at a longer section this morning, 23 verses from Mark chapter 7. It's broken up into three scenes. There's three different movements that happen in this text. So scene one includes Jesus 
the scribes, those who were experts in the law, the Old Testament law, Pharisees, those who were the religious leaders of the day, and then the disciples of Jesus. They're all in scene one. And in scene one, Jesus is asked a question. Verse 1 says this, the, the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him, that is Jesus, when they had come from Jerusalem. So they had been in Jerusalem, they're not there anymore. They'd come from Jerusalem and had seen there in Jerusalem that some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, what, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. And when they had come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. The Pharisees and the scribes, here's the question, ask him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? So Jesus has an encounter with simply what I'll call the traditions police. And specifically, the traditions police wanted to know why the disciples weren't keeping those traditions. And the specific tradition that they had in question was that of washing their hands. Now, let's make sure as you write that down, that you are not thinking, well, my mom taught me to wash their hands. That's just good manners. Everybody should wash their hands. We're not talking about manners here. We're not talking about cleanliness. We're talking about a religious practice that says if you go to the market and you interact with people who are unholy and irreligious, when you come home, you should wash yourself as a religious practice, a religious exercise to remind yourself that you're to be holy. When you, before you eat, you're to wash your hands, not just for cleanliness. This was a religious exercise to remind yourself of being clean before God. And what was happening is, the disciples weren't doing it, and these guys were going, what's up with that? Why aren't they following the traditions? So Jesus answers, but not in a way they ever expected. Verse 6, who does he speak to? He said to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of those hypocrites. No, no. What word did I change? Yeah, you. He says, Jesus speaking to the, the traditions police says, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it's written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So this is not what they expected. They wanted an answer for what the disciples weren't doing. But what they got was an answer from Jesus that talked about them. And it wasn't a pleasant answer. He said, it's not a disciple's problem. It's not a washing of their hands problems. It's a heart problem for you. Your hearts are far from me. They're like, whoa, we're talking about them, not us. But Jesus takes the opportunity to say your hearts. Hey, your lips sound right. You say the right words, but your hearts are not in line 
with my heart. And here's why. Verse 8 and 9. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. He was saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. Are you an expert about, uh, of something? I'll take that as a no. Because <laughs> if you're going to be an expert at something, what do you have to do? Well, you have to practice a tremendous amount. And when Jesus says you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition, what's he telling them? You do this all the time. This isn't, oh, whoops, we missed it. We got a little confused there. No, this is your regular practice is taking the word of God, setting it aside, and instead focusing on tradition. So why aren't they eating? Why aren't they washing their hands? He's like, uh, it's not have anything to do with them. Your hearts are far from me. And the problem is, the reason your hearts are far from me is because you have placed the traditions of men over the commandment of God. You've elevated what you have written and what you have decided over what God has declared. Let me visualize for you. Be- before Bible study tools became digital, this was generally the first book you would buy as a Bible student. It's called a concordance. And if you've never seen one of these, it basically takes every single word that's in the Bible and shows you every place it is in the Bible to even the smallest word. Like if you wanted to know where the word of was, every place in the Bible, you'd look up of, and it would show you every single place, every single word, every single place in the Bible, which is why they call it an exhaustive concordance. Because it's like, wow. Well, this is the biggest book in my library. And I brought it with me because it visually communicates what's happening here accurately. He is saying you have the commandment of God and you have the traditions of men. And this is a good visual because their traditions were far more in terms of number than even the commandments of God. If you've ever thought, wow, God has a lot of commands, there were far, 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 far more traditions and regulations and rules of every facet of life for the Jewish people. And so there was not only more of them, what Jesus says is, you're not living like this, and you're not living like this. You're living like, this is a challenge, you're living like this. You've you've taken what you have written and what you have decided, your religious practices, and you have put them over having greater authority than the word of God has in your life. And in doing so, your heart has moved far from me. Then he gives an example. 
Moses said, honor your father and mother. Now, commandment of God or tradition of man? Okay, this is a commandment of God. Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death, which would change a generation. (laughs) But you say, if a man says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corbin. Now, you probably don't know what Corbin means, so just hang on to this, and I'll come back and explain. Whatever I have that would help you, mom, dad, is Corbin. That is to say, I've already given it to God. You no longer permit him. He's speaking now to the traditions police. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother. Thus, invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many such things as these. When it comes to mom and dad, what does the scripture say? Honor them and provide for them. Very simple. But tradition says, if you declare what you have as the Lord's, then because you've made it the Lord's, you can no longer use it to help mom and dad. Because whose is it? It's God's. Well, that sounds very, very spiritual, except what would God have you do with that money? (laughs) What would he have you do with it? To help mom and dad. But no, 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 you gave it to the Lord. So you can't use it for that. Well, who makes that decision? Who does? The religious leaders made that decision. Why would they make that decision? So that's because that's money in their pockets. That's exactly right. Man, I, I, hate to, I hate to have to say this, but the skepticism and the cynicism that so often gets placed on religious leaders about money it comes from the horrible experience. Money given to God. Oh, no, 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 no. If you're giving it to God, you can't use it to help mom and dad. Corbin. And, and now you get the example. This isn't just theoretical. That is a tradition of men totally invalidating the word of God. Because God would be glorified if you took the money and gave it. That's foolishness. It's absurd that you would say, well, that money belongs to God, therefore you can't give it to help mom and dad. So I want to be exceedingly clear here that the scripture teaches take care of mom and dad. First Timothy, well, let me give you, it said Corbin over honor mom and dad. That's the example that we just talked about. First Timothy 5 says this, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Uh, Did you know the Bible said that? I, I hope if you've been coming to the chapel, you knew that. But I can tell you, one of the things I really appreciate about this church is because when Jackie and I came in our early 20s, I was sitting where you're sitting here in South Auditorium, and there was a guy standing on this stage, not me, teaching from the scriptures, and he taught that verse. And I thought, what in the world? I had no idea the Bible said that. That my first priority to honor God with my 
The money was not to say, well, it belongs to the Lord. It was to say, if it does belong to the Lord and my parents have a need, I should meet that need before you give it to Christian Family Chapel. I went, wow, this place is awesome. I've never heard a church say, give the money somewhere else first. And it wasn't just an idea. It was the biblical command. So I want to be really clear. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that our, in our, the Lord's Prayer, our daily bread, our annual bread, that we had resources that our budget was greater than what our giving had been thus far in 2017. We ask you to pray about, would you be able to help provide to meet our budget by year end? And I hope you've been asking the Lord. But let me be clear. If you're praying about it, and you have a mom and dad who needs provision, then the answer to the Lord from the Lord is, you give it to mom and dad before you give it to CFC. We are more than prepared to trust the Lord for you being obedient to his priority of resources. The last thing that we would ever want you to feel is that we are placing upon you an expectation that you would give money to the local church and not provide for your parents. Young people, you in here? I see my son over here, and so I hope he's listening. I'm going to be an old man one day. I'm going to go, Clayton, help me out here. I can't reach him. <laughs> I, I hope, I was really glad as a 20-year-old that I understood what the Scripture said. I hope you will understand that part of obeying the Scriptures is you providing for your parents. That's not government responsibility. That's not state responsibility. That's son and daughter responsibility straight from the word of God. Do not allow the traditions police or any past teaching or misunderstanding to replace the word of the Lord. We want, we want to live and give like that. So that's the end of scene one. This question about the disciples and Jesus saying, no, it's not a problem they have, it's a problem you have. It's a heart problem because it's a word of God problem like Corbin is revealing. The result is that your worship is meaningless. He had said in verse seven, in vain do they worship me. Now, I say the, the result is their worship is meaningless because you understand worship is lifting up as great and revering as great and awesome. But what is getting lifted up in this scenario? Tradition is getting lifted up, not God. God is being diminished. And he's going, you're all your talk, you sing the right songs. You just don't have the right book on top. You don't have the right authority in your life. You got traditions trumping the commandment of God. And therefore, your worship is in vain. It's meaningless. Scene two. You get all the same people as scene one plus a crowd. And I bring that to your attention because I want you to look, if you have a copy of the scriptures in front of you, look at verse 14 and tell me how did a crowd get included in this encounter? 
What happened? How'd they get included? Yes, it says, and this is important. It says, verse 14, after he called the crowd to him again. In other words, this had started as more of a private conversation between Jesus' disciples, scribes, and Pharisees. Now he brings the crowd in, and I believe he wants to bring the crowd in because he's going, all right, traditions police, great question. I want everybody to hear the answer. And he gives a very broad answer to this question. He says, listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside, listen, there's nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If anyone has the ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, what I just said to you may go, whoa, 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 that doesn't seem right. We're all about making sure we cleanse ourselves so that what goes into us doesn't file. He's going, you've got it wrong. It's not what goes in, it's what comes out. And if you have ears to hear, hear is just saying, sometimes we hear things from the word of God that make us go, oh, that's hard to hear. This might be one of them. So I don't know, Jesus did a chart, but let me visualize it for you very, very simply. You got your blue Jesus follower? Jesus says, here's all you need to know. In, what goes into this guy, that's not going to be what defiles him. In will not defile. What will? Out. What comes out of the guy is what will defile. You're you're focused so much on the in, but that is not the focus. It's what comes out which will defile. So I had a professor at Columbia who used to say this, be careful to not put the, put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> Takes me a minute to say it, because it's hard to say. If you missed it, don't put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. What am I saying? Don't put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Don't put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Now, I bring that up because this is exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, all of your hand-washing is an emphasis on the wrong syllable. You've got all the emphasis on the in when the emphasis should be on the out. Because this is the core issue. Now, you may go, well, okay, I, I understand what's happening, but I don't know how this happens, how this relates to now. So let me simply declare, and then I'll give you some examples, that every, 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 every generation and culture gets the emphasis on the wrong syllable. We get focused on stuff that we think is important, that Jesus is gone, you're focused on the wrong thing. You're thinking this is important, and it's not. So let me give you some examples. If, if you're my age, you're going to understand some of these better than if you're younger. In our day, it would be like this. Well, why aren't your disciples in church for Sunday worship, Sunday school, and when? Sunday night service. If you're, my, if you're my age, do you remember that every church had church Sunday morning, Sunday school, and Sunday night And when we came to Jacksonville, Jay and I, we heard about this little church down in Mandarin that that they didn't have church on Sunday night. 
And they've said, that's that, that easy church to go to. They don't even have church on Sunday nights. Because everybody knows the people who really love Jesus go when? Sunday night and Wednesday nights. Now, we look back and you go, oh, Sunday night service? Come back here again tonight? Every Sunday night? That'd be, that'd be a hassle. It was. It was. But it was very much part of the culture that you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, right? You remember? Oh, and part of that. Why aren't your disciples wearing a suit to church? Do you know when I started here? As the youth pastor, I had to wear a tie. And if you taught here on Sunday morning on this stage, you wore a coat and tie, you wore a suit. If I would have shown up 20 years ago wearing this, mm-mm-mm, I'd be done, out. Now we look back and, and we go, really? Sure, but it just changes a little bit. Two weeks ago, after Thanksgiving, I wore jeans, except they were faded. And I had somebody say to me, those jeans are too faded for Sunday morning. <laughs> dark, okay. Right? Are, they, are they too dark? It's, it's the rules we live by. Why aren't your disciples singing hymns? See, you forget. I, I have to tell you, there were worship wars at Christian Family Chapel. The first time we put drums on this stage, an electric guitar, you not remember? That's a, hymns were the, the God-glorifying music, and that guitar and worship, that's Satan stuff. You play it backwards, and it actually says, you love Satan. Because <laughs> everybody plays their music backwards. But I remember when I was a youth, that was really a big deal. You know what that says backwards? That was our generation's, oh, man, you can't listen to that sort of stuff. You're you're going off the deep end because people, God's music is hymns. Why aren't your disciples removing their children from the public schools? Now, this gets a little closer to home. Now, this is like, ugh. You got to get them out of it. You got to wash your kids from that evil empire. Now, some of you think, oh, no, no, that's true. (laughs) I know. Why aren't your disciples boycotting Disney and Target? Hmm. See, then when we're getting a little more closer to our generation, yeah, that's, if you really love Jesus, you wouldn't go there. Why aren't your disciples turning off the lights and acting like they aren't home on Halloween? <laughs> hey, we've gotten this one. You have your kids trick or treat. God, that's terrible. And some of you are thinking, you have your kids trick or treat? Yeah, we did. Well, we had our kids dress up like Bible characters. <laughs> Oh, all better. Right? You can't call it trick or treat. You can call it fall festival. You see what I'm saying? This is the thing. You do. You can't do that. Why aren't your disciples drinking sweet tea on a Friday night in jeans that don't 
fit so tight. No country music fans in the room? Okay, you know what I'm saying. Okay, you non-country fans. I don't know what that means. Cold beer on a Friday night. In jeans that fit. Now, you may be thinking, you shouldn't know that song, Doug. <laughs> so, you know, why aren't your disciples drinking sweet tea in jeans that don't fit so tight? Why aren't your disciples watching Fox News? Okay, now some of you, okay, that's too far. Because really, if you, you start CNN, you can leave right now. <laughs> you know, the, the hardest thing about this, honestly, is it's only when it gets far enough in the rearview mirror that we can usually see the foolishness of what we've done. So I, I've been like, Lord, there's some stuff I can laugh at about 20 years ago and 10 years ago, but what are we going to be looking at ourselves 20 years from now and going, could you not see the emphasis on the wrong syllable? It happens. It happened then. It's happened 20 years ago. We are just absolutely stupid, stupid, stupid if we think it's not happening today. There is just the tendency to say we're going to define what the part looks like. And we're going to go, that's pleasing to God right there. That style of hair, that wearing that clothes, going to church then, not doing that, not watching that, that's it right there. That, that's it. it. The classic was when, and no offense to the Southern Baptist in the room, but when I was told, do you know why Southern Baptists have such a hard time with premarital sex? as it might lead to dancing. <laughs> now some of you are going, I don't get it. It's because you didn't grow up Southern Baptist where no dancing, no dancing, no. Dancing was without doubt there. I'm convinced the reason that I have no rhythm now is because it was sinned out of me. It was like, oh, you can't move like that. That's be wrong. And obviously, Premarital sex is a commandment of God issue. Dancing is what? Yeah, it's a tradition that some would say, oh, no, 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 no. Can't do that. And so just, just reminding us, the word of God, the example that Jesus encounters here, hey, the specific washing their hands, that's not a big deal for us. But we have, all have our own stuff, and some of it, we don't even know. We don't even see. It's so ingrained to us. <clears throat> What's funny is this. <clears throat> In scene three, the crowd leaves, the scribes leave, the Pharisees leave. It's just Jesus and his disciples. And they have a question for him. And their question is this. Just tells us the background. The disciples, they questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, are you so lacking in understanding also? So it doesn't tell us what the question was, but we can surmise. What was the question? Well, their question was, Jesus, we don't understand the chart. 
We don't understand. What do you mean that what goes in doesn't defile, but what comes out defiles? We don't understand. And he says, do you not understand that whatever goes into, so he gets a little graphic here. To the man from outside cannot defile him because it does not go into his heart, but where? His stomach. And then what happens? <laughs> you ever start a question and you're like, or a sentence, you're like, I'm not sure how to finish this. Uh, Jesus is like, you know, come on, guys. You don't understand. You eat something, it goes into your stomach, and then it's eliminated. That's what he says. You don't get that? It's eliminated. Well, if this would have happened in our day, the, the disciples would have texted Jesus. That chart. We don't get it. I don't understand. Jesus would have texted him back. Really? <laughs> With a well-placed emoji. It was not a soft-serve ice cream. Really? Yeah, he's going, look, come on. Go back to your blue Jesus follower. What goes in goes where? Goes where? Yeah, it goes right into the stomach. And then, according to Jesus, <laughs> eliminated. <laughs> now you're going, oh, I can't. That's, that's what the text says, does it not? Yeah, you're like, oh, that's just awkward. I agree. But that's what it says, in, stomach, eliminated. You, you got all the fossils on the wrong syllable right here about this. Because why, why, watch, watch. Why so concerned about this when this is all that happens to it? The other side. Uh, that which proceeds out of the man, that's what defiles the man. For from within, not the stomach, but out of the heart of men proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. It's, it's just like he verbally vomits, but not out of the stomach, out of the, where? The heart. All these evil things proceed from within. That's what defiles the man. So, the, the, the flip side, the syllable you're missing is that what comes out is the key because it comes from the heart. And then he's going, and look at what comes out of the heart. And you don't have to write all that down. It's all in your text. But if this is what comes out of the heart, what does it tell you? Yeah, it tells you what's in the heart. All that, all that you learn about what's eliminated was what was in the stomach. So why are you concerned about what went in and went to the stomach? What you need to be concerned about is what's coming out of the heart because what comes out of the heart is a picture of what is in the heart. You see what Jesus is saying to the traditions police? You guys, why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they following? He's going, really, guys? 
You're going to focus on that, and then tomorrow they're going to eliminate it. But every single day, this week and next week and this month and next month, for what's going to come out of you is this. And you're emphasizing washing of hands. And I have heart issues. That's what I'm concerned about, the heart issues. See, the condition of my heart is not revealed by my compliance to religious traditions. I hope you're capturing this. See, they, they really thought that they could show the condition of their heart by following the traditions. But they, won't, they don't reveal the condition of the heart. I could, I could wear jeans today and a suit 20 years ago, and it tells you nothing about my heart. I could wear a suit today. I wouldn't tell you anything about my heart. I can get the right haircut. I can do the right things I'm supposed to do with my kids, you know, moms, dads. You can take your kids out of public school and put them in the best private school. You can take your kids out of public school and you can, you can teach them at home. Guess what? It's not going to change their heart. You might spray, spray some perfume on them. <laughs> Make them smell a little better. But, but the traditions, the things that we define that are really important, They're not heart issues. One of the things that broke my heart as a young dad was the realization that actually most adults just wanted kids to have good manners. Didn't really care about that. They just want to have good manners. That's what the, oh man, your kids have such good manners. And I'm not against good manners. It's just good manners are not reflection of a good heart. There's plenty of good-mannered kids who grow up to be good-mannered adults who've never had a change of heart, but they fit well, and they play well, and they look good. And then we go, man, why does that ugly stuff come out of them? And their mama teach them any better? It's not a manners issue. It's a heart issue. And the reality is that... My compliance to religious traditions is not going to be a reveal of my heart because those religious practices can't change my heart. The suit can't change my heart. Watching the right TV channel can't change my heart. I can turn off the lights and call Halloween fall festival, but that doesn't change my heart. So how's the heart changed? A man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus. What's true then, true now, it's always about, okay, what's the right thing to do? What's the right behavior? Okay, I should cuss less. I should be more attentive. I should go to all my kids' soccer games. So do all the things 
that we go, well, there's, there's right behavior, but right behavior will not change your heart. Right behavior with an unchanged heart is my junior high sweaty, stinky son spraying himself with axe. <laughs> Which was the practice. You smell bad. <laughs> well, now you smell bad twice. <laughs> that didn't, it didn't, it didn't clean you. It may have covered it up, but in the covering up, it just almost smells worse. Because there, is there anything worse than a person who tries to play the part and have the talk? Their lips, what Jesus say? Your lips speak the service, but your hearts are far, 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 far from me. That smells worse than not even have the lip service. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, the whole, the whole thing of creating the look, playing the part, is then, then it looks like, wow, man, look how much they've changed. Have a guy come in here looking all ratty, and we get him cleaned up and think, oh, man, what a great heart. No, no, no. You can't change your heart by getting the right clothes and acting, doing the right behavior. It's only through what? What did it say twice now? Faith in Jesus. Only, and I know this sounds so simple, but this is what we need today. We need simple. We need Jesus changes my heart. If you trusted him, not just said, well, I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to, I should pray more. I should cuss less. I'm not behavior modification. We need simple truth that Jesus is going to change your heart because then with a new heart, what? Then, now, there, now there's new life. See, Colossians 3 says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, see, something happened in you. You were made holy. You were the beloved. You entered into the love of God through faith in Jesus. Because of that now, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You don't do those things to become right with God. You do those things because God has given you a new heart. He's redeemed you. He's made you new. And what used to come out of you was consistent with the old heart. Now what is to come out of you is consistent with that Jesus has saved you and made you a new person. So this is, this is not an, a frivolous question at all. What's coming out of you? Because it reveals the heart doesn't change the heart. It reveals the heart. See, it, the condition of my heart, is not revealed by compliance to religious practices. It, the condition of my heart, is revealed by actually how I love people. That's the evidence of a new heart, how I love people. See, it's a relational change. But let me take you back. 
When the heart is unredeemed, it's not redeemed by compliance to religious practices. It's revealed. And notice I've highlighted the vast majority of these are relational words. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander. That, that's how you act when your heart is unredeemed. But when you are in Christ, trusting in Jesus, then if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. You're a new person in Jesus. And because you're a new person in Jesus, what comes out of you? Well, what did Colossians 3 say? Compassion and kindness, bearing with one another. As those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Not because those things will change your heart, because God has changed your heart, and now with a new heart, it's revealed. What is coming out of you? It's the truest revealer. Hey, how is a tree known? What did Jesus teach? How do you know what a tree is? You, you buy a new property and there's a tree there and it's like, I don't know what tree that is. Yeah, you know a tree ultimately by its fruit. Is that a lemon tree or an orange tree? Well, let's just wait and see what it grows. And then it will be revealed. So you don't have to get all caught up. I don't know what's the condition of my heart. The condition of your heart is revealed by what comes out of it. Not by the religious practices because anybody can do the religious practices and it won't change them. But the condition of my heart is revealed by how I love people because of, this is the whole point of Colossians 3, because of how I have been loved by God. See, I, I've been loved by him. He has made me new, and therefore, now I love. Because he has loved me. I don't know what we're going to laugh at in 20 years from now. But people are going to mock us. I'm sure of that. What I do know is this. Jesus can change your heart if you'll trust in him. And so whether it's for the first time or for the hundredth time, don't be distracted right now. Ask, look, would you tell him today Jesus, I trust you to give me a new heart. I'm trusting in you to make me a new person. Not to put on an act, not to play a part, but to be a new person. You're going to say, I, I did that 20 years ago. Great. Tell him again today, you're trusting in him. Not in your own religious practices, not in your behavior, maybe for the first time. Because lots of folks come back to church because something happened in their life. They go, man, I'm making a wreck. I need, I need to get my life back together. No, you need a new heart. Did you hear that? So much, I need to come back to church, get my life together. You need a new heart. And only Jesus can do that for you. So I want to invite you to bow with me and Would you, would you just there in the quietness of your seat, would you say to the Lord, Lord Jesus, 
can't change my heart. I need you to change my heart. I need you to make me new. So that then, as a new person, I can walk in newness of life. Lord, as as ones you've made new, we want to have that which comes out of us first and foremost to be love. That love would be our defining mark because it's how you have loved us. Let's stand together and as we continue just as a, a prayer to the Lord, let's declare this as a prayer to the Lord that we'd be known by our love. express our love for you is to be able to pray with you. Uh, I recognize every service people walk in with all sorts of things going on in their world. And so if you would be uh, needing someone to pray with you, to pray for you, just want to remind you that straight out the doors over in the back of north, out my left, you're right around the corner, men and women available to pray simply to come alongside you to remind you that if God is for you, then who can be against you? We can pray with you. That would be our privilege. I hope you'll go with a new heart, loving because you've been loved by him. God bless.